Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. We consider ourselves kind of entrepreneurs first and social entrepreneurs second, and we, we want to make money out of this, and it's, it's, that's a kind of a key, key driver to what I actually believe has made us successful and, and will continue to, to make us successful. Anybody who has a mobile phone and has a little bit of cash as, as working capital to transact as float can essentially become an ATM machine and provide a financial service to, to all of people within their communities that can just walk up to them and, and, and then, you know, needs to, are able to move money from one part of the country to a completely different part of the country instantly. Welcome to the first Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs podcast. In this podcast, I am very excited to be speaking to Mike Quinn, CEO of Zuna. Mike is an inspiring social entrepreneur with a mission to enable Zambians, wherever they are, to access cash easily, quickly and safely using mobile technology. Zuna works with entrepreneurs and small businesses to help stimulate economic growth, the key to economic development and progress. Zuna was set up in 2009 based on an idea in a text message. Today, it has a network of cash agents across Zambia and now processes millions of dollars in payment value each month for small businesses in Zambia. So I, I should probably okay. ask this question now. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to join Zuna, Mike? Sure. Um, so uh, my story begins, I think, back in, in early 2000s, around 2002, 2003. Um, I was studying mechanical engineering at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And, it, you know, I, I did the five-year degree and, and I, I did it fairly well, but I wasn't really inspired to go kind of launch a career as an engineer, um, although I found it a very useful starting point and, and a good analytical background. Um, but I, I was looking for something, I think, more meaningful at that stage of my life and, and got attached to a young startup organization called Engineers Without Borders. Um, and they had a student chapter at my university um, that I got involved with in my last year. And then when I graduated, I applied for a volunteer placement in, uh, in Africa with them. And at the time, I really knew nothing about Africa. I knew nothing about social entrepreneurship. I'd never even heard the terms before. Um, but it was a very exciting prospect of, of going and applying my kind of newfound engineer, uh, engineering knowledge and skill set to, to Africa to solve some problems. Um, so I, I was sent to Ghana for a year, and I got to work on an agricultural project with small-scale farmers and, and uh, integrate into the local community and learn some of the local language. And, and it was just such an eye-opening experience. Um, and then when I, when I finished that, I, I went back to Canada and actually did work as an engineer for about six months and, and really, um, you know, having come from this exciting project environment in, in rural, you know, rural um, Ghana to a, a, a kind of a corporate um, cubicle environment uh, in, in Vancouver, I, I wasn't, you know, very inspired. So I, I bit the bullet and, and went back to Engineers Without Borders and said, can I do another placement? And then they sent me to Zambia for a year and a half, um, again, another agricultural project, but this time I was working more um, with local cooperatives that were, were marketing products as a, as a business and got involved in a little bit more business and entrepreneurial training. Um, 
I then went and, and wanted to make a commitment to kind of international development um, as a career choice, and I, uh, I was able to um, get into a master's degree program at the London School of Economics. Um, so I did that for a year, studying international development, and then I got a big break um, where I had applied um, through uh, to an MBA program at the University of Oxford, and they had a social entrepreneurship scholarship, um, you know, endowed by Jeff Skoll, who is one of the founders of eBay. And I was very, very fortunate to get the scholarship and then did the one-year MBA program, which really kind of opened my mind to, to business and, and more of entrepreneurial approaches to, to development and poverty alleviation. And um, um, I then had the skill set um, in, in more of a business training and background to, to do something about it. So when I, I finished there in, in uh, late 2008 and then in early 2009, um, I was really itching to get back to Africa and kind of take the knowledge that I've gained while studying in the UK, but um, apply it in an entrepreneurial environment. And I jumped on an airplane and went back to Zambia where I, I had a good network and I wanted to start a business working with local entrepreneurs and helping connect them to, to outside investment and just got very, very lucky again um, through a, a chance meeting with two, two entrepreneurial brothers named Brad and Brett McGrath who um, had actually started this company called Zona. Um, it's a local word in Zambia that means it's real and they had developed an early stage technology kind of based on what was happening in Kenya and the mobile payments industry um, and had an initial business model and then a little bit of cash but they were really just getting going and I was introduced to them through a mutual colleague and, and just loved kind of the, the vision that they had and, and said I can you know I can work with these guys and um, it was it was literally the first day I, la I landed in Zambia um, and then you know, I, I was able to help connect them to some early stage uh, seed funding of about $200,000 to, to get us to the next stage. And um, over time, just, you know, became business partners with them, um, convinced my parents to mortgage their retirement home. They were retired teachers back in Canada and lend me $100,000 to invest in the business. Um, so I kind of jumped in head first. And then, uh, you know, five years later, I'm, I'm still working with them and, and we've been you know, building the company since. Wow, that's amazing, amazing story um, and a real commitment you've made uh, to Zona. Uh, it's very exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about Zona and, and, and you know, what exactly it does? Sure. Um, so Zona is, uh, is a, a mobile payments business. Um, we are primarily operational in Zambia, although our head office um, and all of our technology development is done in, in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, and it, it's kind of emerged as, as our hub um, over the last couple of years and, and is, is giving us a platform where we're, we're hoping to expand into other countries in Zambia. Um, but we, we fundamentally help uh, micro and small enterprises grow. That's, that's the main core purpose of our business. And in, in countries like Zambia and throughout Africa, uh, micro and small businesses that are you know, typically mom and pop shops, uh, they they um, they have challenges um, making you know making payments to their suppliers. Um, they have poor access to uh, to capital. The banking system isn't isn't providing them with uh, with a lot of services, and and they're often interacting with a 
a mass market consumer segment of, of just regular people that are, are buying things through them or sending money transfers or, or you know transacting at like every day at, at these local stores that um, have don't have bank accounts or access to to financial services. Um, so in Zambia, I think 80, 80 plus percentage of the adult population has never had a bank account, does, doesn't have any access to credit cards and debit cards and things that, that you would have in Western environment. Um, so we, we target these, these micro small businesses. We provide them with the technology platform that allows them to, to provide services to end consumers, um, the, the largest being money transfers. Um, so we've, we've got a network of about uh, 400 of these, these, these small businesses across Zambia that are, are branded in Zona's colors. Um, consumers can come and into these shops and send send and receive money transfers from one point to the other, and then the, the shops um, use a mobile phone as a point of sale to, to do the transaction on our platform, and they earn a commission every time they do the transaction. Um, we've then added other services, such as the ability to send um, prepaid air t- or sell prepaid airtime, um, the ability to pay their suppliers to, you know, to stock Coca-Cola and, and other products in their shop. And then we've... Uh, you know, so it started as a payment platform, and then we make money every time that there's a transaction that's, that's processed. So, so we charge the, the person who's sending the money transfer fee, and then you know we get part of that as our revenue, and then we share it as uh, part of it as commission to to our customers as these small, micro, and small enterprises. Um, and then we've also added a financial service component where we started providing them with working capital um, in, in the form of either longer or medium to longer term loans to expand, to open new outlets or new shop or build their working capital base, and also short-term financing um, so that they have overdraft facilities to, to continue like um, with having more float or more stock. And... Um, yeah, in a nutshell, uh, we you know we provide these business solutions, and and it's it's been something that we've been getting increasingly better at, and and have grown the business now to to the point where we're processing about twenty million dollars per month in Zambia in payment value. Um, we've got about sixty employees spread across our, our Zambia and Cape Town offices, and and are really gearing up to uh, uh, to expand into new countries, and we we've kind of got the. Um, the honor of being the, the first startup technology business out of Zambia to ever attract international venture capital. So we, we closed a, a $4 million Series A equity round um, with the Omidyar Network and Axion Frontier Funds back in, in early 2012 and have been really accelerating the business since that day. The vast majority of people in Zambia don't have bank accounts. I mean, what impact does that have on economic development? Out of the, the network, I, I said we've got about 400 of these micro and small enterprises, but they're they're servicing um, you know about 350,000 to 400,000 customers per month that are are doing these money transfer uh, transactions at their at their shops, and 80 percent plus of those end customers don't have bank accounts, and the reason why they use our services is because it is so difficult to move money from point A to point B in Zambia. Um, you know, where you, you take it for granted in a developed country um, where, you know, you get your, your your salary paid into your bank account every month through through direct debit, just automatically deposit in your, your account. You can then, if you need to uh, to send money to, to somebody, you just do a, a banking transfer or an EFT. But if you've never had a bank account, you get paid in cash. Um, you 
to then move money to um, to a relative who you know who could be uh, in, a, in a different town. People physically have to move cash from point A to point B, and they they do that either through like a minibus or a taxi, where they'll they'll give money to somebody to to move that that cash. Um, there is a, a government um, institutional post office that you you can send money, but it can take a long time to get there, and it's it's. You know, not always reliable, and it's not always open, um, and and it's it's quite expensive to do. Um, so it's it's very very expensive, and and um, and often not even safe to, to move money. Like you'll you'll find people, um, you could have you could be a business trader where you need to go and import goods from a border, and people will actually move with large amounts of cash on them on a on a bus, and they risk you know being robbed and and just the the worry of having to move with cash. Uh, While well, they go in and buy goods, people sleep with cash under their mattresses all of the time. Um, so it, it's a very, you know, kind of almost primitive economic environment at a, at a household level where, you know, everything is done in cash. And it's it's not dissimilar to like the UK or Canada would have been, um, you know, a few decades back before there were bank cards and ATM machines everywhere. Um, and now with the explosion of, of mobile phones, um, where everybody has a mobile phone and, and you can use a mobile phone as, as like a point of sale, which, which our agents do. Um, and, and suddenly, uh, like our, our business model means that anybody who has a mobile phone and has a little bit of cash as, as working capital to transact as float can essentially become an ATM machine and provide a financial service to, to all of people within their communities that can just walk up to them and, and, and then, you know, needs to, we are able to move money from one part of the country to a completely different part of the country instantly. And our technology enables that to happen. Wow, wow. And I suppose linked to this is the idea, I mean, of the importance of, our, uh, I suppose, what you call micro-entrepreneurs and so forth. How important are they in Zambia for economic growth? Well, th- yeah, that, so the, these micro and small enterprises, um, are micro-entrepreneurs, as you say, we we consider them our core customer, and they enable our they make our entire business um, possible. And so, you know, the, the uh, um, there there are like uh, there is a growing formal sector and middle class in in markets like Zambia, and, and you do have uh, shopping malls popping up and and large like chain stores out of South Africa primarily. Um, but the the huge bulk of the economy is is just these mom and pop shops, and. Um, and and even the the end consumers that we're servicing, um, a lot of people are sending money for for entrepreneurial activities because they might be, you know, they're they're paying somebody that they bought goods from, um, and and then they sell, you know, they sell those goods as, as sole proprietorships, and you know, so the, like I I quoted that twenty million dollars per month of, of value that that we're able to move across the economy. Um, it's it's these really small businesses that are. Are, are doing that and, and servicing these customers, and and they're the ones that are, are creating employee their employment too. So it's it's like they're they're really a driver of the economy of, of enabling financial services, um, of of creating employment within their you know their single shops and then branching out into to new shops, and it's it's just a critical engine that we we think we can we can really um, make a big contribution um, to, to actually move economic growth in a country like Zambia, um, but, but do it in a way that um, is, is, a, is an entre- like a small, at the heart is a small entrepreneur um, that has a, you know, 
a business opportunity and is able to capitalize on that. Right, right. And I guess you mentioned the relationship with Kiva, but in, is it in some ways this, the, the, what you're doing? I mean, how how similar is it to microfinance, which I think people, are, are, many people are familiar with? Yeah. Um, well, microfinance, um, you know, the the kind of the traditional model was was uh, that came to Africa was a, a, like a group lending model with microfinance institutions that would would give small loans to uh, uh, to individuals as, as part of a group structure, and then those individuals would use the microfinance loan for primarily business activities and, and buying and selling goods and trading. Um, and so, our, our focus at Zona is, is providing. The financing, um, similar to microfinance, but to small businesses and to, to primarily individual micro entrepreneurs. Um, so we don't do any group lending, which is one of the differences. And then because, um, like, we have a, a technology platform, we're able to to give the financing to these these small micro entrepreneurs um, on the on the back of the the transactions that they're they're doing to service to service consumers in Zambia. Um, we we know every single transaction that they do because it's it's on our system. There's a there's an electronic log of it. We know their commissions and the cash flows that they make. Um, and then we can disperse and receive funds electronically. Um, so we we uh, have the benefit of, of not needing to have um, a kind of traditional loan officers that that need to to understand. Um, you know, we we don't even need to use a group environment or a group dynamic to to lend these people money because we actually just have the all of the data from the transactions that they're doing, and and we can can lend businesses um, funds uh, on the back of their actual real cash flows, um, and then in order to to take that down to a consumer level, like right now, um, the, the businesses we lend to that just provides a service to end consumers, um, but we do envision one day seeing an opportunity to to then push that that credit down to to a consumer level where we know every time a, a customer comes and sends sends a money transfer to an agent and to to be able to identify which of those customers are doing it the most frequently um and then providing you know whether it's financing or or other products to to help them um you know join the financial inclusive community um, is, is an opportunity that we see for the future. Oh, that's great. It sounds great. I, I, I mean, clearly, this is such a, I guess, uh, economic impact beyond the, you know, the the individuals involved because the money, I guess, multiplies around in people's hands and stimulates further economic activity. I'm just wondering about you mentioned the the, the, the studying and doing the this, getting very involved in the whole area of social entrepreneurship. I suppose you know to what extent is this? Uh, would you characterize this as a social entrepreneurial business? And uh, you know how does that play out in how you approach the, the you know growing the business? Um, yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great question, and um, I. I I think it, you know, what we are doing at, at the heart of it is, is um, on one hand, it's, it's very much like pure kind of social entrepreneurship, um, but on the other hand, it's also like a very, it's a commercial enterprise, um, and we, you know, we consider ourselves kind of entrepreneurs first and social entrepreneurs second, and we, we want to make money out of this, and it's, it's, that's a kind of a key key driver to what I actually believe has made us successful and, and will continue to, to make us successful and, and, and really pursue um, uh, creating things that can scale. 
And uh, like uh, the best definition of entrepreneurship that that I've come across is the the relentless pursuit of of, uh, of opportunity without regard to resources currently controlled. And everything we have done um, has been consistent to that. Of, of we we think that there's a huge market opportunity to provide um, these financial services and these you know these business solutions to micro small businesses to to consumers in Africa um, to even corporates that are are transacting with these consumers and small businesses um, and, and to do it in a way that that um, that makes money and makes and generates profit for everybody in the value chain because that's the way that actually is, is going to scale and have the biggest impact and, and attract the, the most investment and help us you know build a sustainable business that we we are, are attracting good talent into our organization paying people fair wages um, so forth um, but in the social enterprise thing uh, side of, of the coin, um, everything we do is is trying to you know to solve that problem for for somebody that does need to move money from point A to point B for for medicine or for school fees um, or for the the like the providing financing to that small entrepreneur that has a, has a business idea and has a small shop but actually just does not have access to financial services to to have enough working capital to scale his business. Uh, or to hire that other person, and so so that aspect is is you know at the very much at the root is is a social is kind of a social enterprise of where we sit, um, and so I, I, it doesn't really fit neatly into a category, um, but it, it's kind of by nature of, of the market that we operate in Zambia and then the, the customer segment that we're going after, um, it's like. The, the social aspect has to be key to our, our, our goal and our value set as, as a company. Um, and so we, we take that very, very seriously. But, um, you know, if we believe that if we weren't pursuing profit and trying to, to make money, um, we, would, we would actually uh, potentially be going down a wrong path and, and not be able to achieve the impact and the scale that, that we want to. Um, so we, we try to kind of balance that very, very carefully. And, and like I said, the, the, the simplest kind of rule is, is um, you know, uh, co- commercial for-profit business first, social enterprise second. Yeah, it's very interesting because I, I, it's it's a, it's a kind of an umbrella term, isn't it? Really, and it includes all kinds of organisations, I suppose, with a different mix of pure commercial and social and triple bottom line and so forth uh, objectives in, in many different forms. It's interesting. You feel very strongly uh, about the, the the profit side of things, and to the extent that if you you feel if you weren't making a profit, that uh, you'd be going down the wrong path. Could you elucidate a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, well, like I, I, I've I've worked with a number of nonprofits in my life, and kind of that was a, a background that I came from, and and um, the. the yeah, I, 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 like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to trying to find the words, but um, everybody's kind of aware of the challenges in the in the aid sector and and the kind of top down approach of of um, providing charity and, and and a lot of the challenges that comes and and like I, I believe that there is a lot of really good work that, that nonprofits and and charities and donor organizations um, do do do, um, but. Like at the end of the day, I, I think one of our core values is, is just entrepreneurship, and and I, I really believe, um, and our, our business and team really believe that um, 
you know, enabling real entrepreneurs um, and, and the, you know, not necessarily entrepreneurs that are, are you know, starting huge organizations that you, you might find in, in the West, but like micro entrepreneurs, people that that do want to um, to grow, you know, grow from uh, from being single shop owners to managing multiple shops and employing more people, and 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 at the end of the day, they're motivated by more money in their pocket at the end of the month. And, and being able to um, to make a life for themselves and be you know be successful at what they do, but but also having enough at the end of the month to uh, to you know to support their families, to send their kids to to school, um, even to send their kids away to school sometimes. Because if, if you know if you grew up in, in places like like Zambia, like kids like parents um, might dream of sending their their children to education um, educational institutions like Oxford University in the UK. Like like I had the privilege of going through. Um, so I find it hugely motivating to 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 work to enable people who have kind of that. Uh, those those motivations and and um, and help them build their businesses and the, you know the in, in order for us to really understand their their challenges like we we need to under um, to to share their motivations and and that profit motive is a big part of it so you know, it's just it's kind of who we are it's in our in our DNA and in, in in my DNA and um, at the end of the day one one great piece of advice I heard once is is if somebody is is willing to pay for your service, it is uh, an absolutely fantastic indicator that you are creating value, um, and and they you know they are willing to actually transfer some of that value to you because um, you know they're willing to take money out of their pocket and give it to you. So um, I'm, I'm not saying it's it's a blanket approach and it's it's kind of the solution to you know failed aid approaches and things like that, but it's it's certainly one approach that I, I think is important. And um, I, I mentioned before like one of our big audacious goals. Is, is becoming a billion dollar business and and to be able to do that um, to say like we started it in Zambia and we were able to build a successful business in Zambia and we were able to scale it into multiple countries and to hire you know hire people and and to, to create value that that is servicing um, you know millions of customers one day uh, the, the story that I think that that can tell to um, to you know to investors to other entrepreneurs that are thinking of similar ideas um, to to you know to people who who do graduate from universities in places like Zambia and, and you know want to to become entrepreneurs themselves or work for fast growing companies just to know that it's possible um, in Africa is is something that I find very motivating. That's certainly a great story, uh, and one I think which would inspire uh, Zambian social entrepreneurs. Uh, you, you talked about uh, this question, the idea of scaling. Um, it's a challenging uh, proposition in, in any environment, I think, to you know, scale an organization to you know, a pure entrepreneurial organization or a, a startup business in a, in, a, in a developed market, as it were. Um, in an emerging market in a, uh, somewhere like Zambia, uh, I can imagine uh, even more challenging. Um, and when you look at social uh, businesses and so forth, I think that's something that many people often say is, you know, that why aren't there bigger, more ambitious, uh, more successful uh, social businesses which are, you know, having a bigger impact. Um, how important do you think this question of scalability is? Yeah, I, I really believe it's critical. Um, and, it, like, you're, you're exactly right. There's, there's very few 
um, scalable social business models that you can you can point to, and, and they're they're hard to find. And it's it's one of the reasons is it's hard to do. Uh, and you, you do have a number of challenges in emerging markets that um, that are are tougher than than you would have in a in like a Western market. And um, two, two keys to that is one one is capital. Um, and, and one of the areas that we've been quite successful is, is been able to attract um, like investment from this new class of, of uh, investors called impact investors and the likes of the OCR network um, and, uh, and Axion Frontiers, which are our two kind of lead investors. Um, and, and so there are these, these new funds and institutions that are popping up that have specific mandates to put um, early stage venture capital into, into emerging market countries like Zambia um, and in businesses like, like ours. And without that capital, you, it's very easy to, uh, to fizzle out. Um, cause in our early, early days, like we were running out of money all the time. We were really struggling to make payroll. Um, and, and luckily we were able to kind of Go go long enough and get enough traction to to attract uh, enough um, traction to attract this investment, um, and then then that really kind of released the floodgates. Or when we had money in the bank, suddenly you can start thinking a little bit more strategically, a little bit more long term, um, and and then chase the bigger opportunities and, and focus on scale. Um, whereas if you're a small business, it's great to say, hey, like we want to scale, but if at the end of the month you can't pay your salaries, it's really hard to get there. Um, so that's one major challenge, and then another major challenge to scale, I think, is just uh, attracting like top talent. So, you know, if you're a Silicon Valley startup in the United States, um, you have Harvard and Stanford MBAs and students and top graduates in the world that um, that will work for you for free or with for equity options um, or just due to do internships. Where, as in, in countries like Zambia, you don't have that, uh, that deep talent pool. Um, so you have to, to get by um, with, with, uh, with less kind of talent at your disposal. And often, the, like, good people in these markets are, are quite expensive because um, there, are, there is such a shortage of talent that you're competing as a startup with, with the banks and the government and, and large organizations like the World Bank maybe um, that do pay very, very good for, for top managers. Um, so you, you're kind of starting against the green. Um, on the upside, in emerging markets, you, you do have huge opportunities everywhere. Um, and that's, that's the really exciting thing, because you, like, you can kick over a stone and think of a new business idea. And, and um, so, so there's no shortage of opportunity. And then there's often, um, there is a shortage of competition a lot of the time. So you can find kind of market failures or things that nobody's doing very well. Um, and, and, you know, like the Western environments, that's, that might be more difficult because everybody, every time you have a business idea, you might find three or four other people who are doing the same thing at the same time. Um, so it's, it's just kind of a different set of, of um, initial conditions to, to starting a business. Um, but then, you know, to, to scale a company, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of support. And, and you know, most companies fail. Um, you only read about the success stories and see, you know, everybody knows about the Google and the Facebook, but there's only, you know, there's one Google and there's one Facebook. And there's a lot of other people that have probably tried to, to do that and, and aren't around anymore. So um, it's, you know, just, just having the persistence, that, that relentless pursuit of opportunity without regard to resources currently controlled. Like that's, it's, it's a technical kind of jargony definition, but it's like, that's what entrepreneurship is. And, and it's, uh, 
it's, it's hard to get right and, and something that's taken us five years um, to get to a point where we just feel like we're, we're now approaching the starting point almost, um, even though we have been going for, for this period. Well, I think that's a very helpful way of looking at the question of scaling up a social business. What about um, some of the challenges uh, you have faced? Uh, you mentioned you know, financial challenges, uh, working capital and so forth as you've grown. Have there been uh, some difficult days? Were there times you thought we, this may not succeed? Um, uh, and and uh, how, how have you kept going? Inspired. Yeah, I, I think there's there's been three very distinct phases in our business life cycle. I can I can draw on. Um, in the early days, for the first couple of years, it was it was just pure survival. Um, so we were like, and the good news is, is, as most entrepreneurs will tell you, those are the days when you're the you're the most naive. So you you always think you're you're kind of just about to to have this super success. Um, and, and you know, you're, it's, it's almost looking like it's a, it's an attainable achievement, but it, then, you know, five years on, I look back and say, oh wow, we really didn't know what we were doing at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, the first couple of years, it was, it was really just about trying to make payroll, um, you know, being faced with looking, saying, okay, hey, it's, it's, uh, um, today is March March 12th and saying, okay, we've got two weeks to make payroll and we're $40,000 short. Um, you know, those kind of conversations, like what do you do in those situations? And and I, I remember one instance of having to, you know, to go back to, um, to all my staff like the week before Christmas, um, tell everybody that they're getting a pay cut. Um, two people that had just joined us um, a week before I had to essentially lay them off. Um, and, and those were really, really hard times and, and difficult, and, you know, difficult decisions and conversations, but there, there was no other options. Um, and we were able to kind of scrape um, and pull rabbits out of hats on getting customers to pay us early, um, finding a little bit of investment, getting some, you know, reaching into our personal networks to get angel investment, um, doing a, a lot of projects that we didn't want to do that we knew were, were bad projects strategy-wise and were distracting, but it's, you know, we didn't have a choice because we just needed to get cash. Um, so that was kind of phase one, and then that, that allowed us to continue kind of building the business and getting enough traction where we were able to uh, to to start raising the attention of, invest, of investors, and then we went through this uh, this year-long fundraising process and, and were able to close this $4 million kind of um, venture capital round in early 2012. And then we, we entered a new phase where it was initially, I think, a, a false sense of security where we had all of this money in our bank account and, and you know, we gave everybody raises and did things that... But, um, everybody tells you you shouldn't do when you get new investment, but it's really hard not to. Um, but uh, then we, we kind of looked a, a few months on and, and had a wake-up call, and, and we were we were literally like burning through uh, about a quarter million dollars of cash per month. Um, and so to come from a very frugal environment where you're not making payroll to saying like, holy, like how can you how can you quickly ramp up and end up spending that much money, um, you know, by just um, hiring new people and and the, you know, the, it's a big leap of faith because the, the revenue hadn't come yet. You take on all of this new expense and and you you're growing. You're trying to grow quickly, but you you actually you know don't know that the revenue is going to come. Um, 
and so we we had this other the second phase where when we kind of started getting our heads around that and went back to the principles of being a bit more frugal and and really just focusing the business on on okay now we need to to become cash flow positive again and and uh, and you know we we went on then after the initial hiring spree we we had a hiring freeze um, and said you know we're not going to spend any more money until we can get the revenues to catch up and and it's all about. Like in, in again in, in a Silicon Valley environment, you might just blow the money, knowing that there's other investors. That as long as you get user growth and traction, people will give you more money. But um, you know, as a business in Africa, you can't be guaranteed that, and and you might not you might not find the money. You might not get it on the terms you want. Um, so we really wanted to get back in charge of our own destiny, and uh, and we were able to do that. And, and we're now um, entering this third phase, which is is um, you know it's, it's almost a bigger challenge because it's it's now that we've proven ourselves as a business and we've we've got something that is is valuable. Um, a, we don't want to lose it, but B, I think we're all terrified of, of not being as successful as we want to be. Um, so we're we're very much driven a little bit by I think a fear of failure of of saying we you know we we've said we put this stake in the ground that we want to build this billion dollar pan-african business we think we we have a technology and a model that can scale everywhere but you know we don't know yet and we we haven't been able to, to prove outside of zambia um and we have a lot of other products that we're, we're testing in the market that that haven't taken off and we, we've hired a lot of people and putting a lot of resources into doing this so um so it's, it's now a big strategic challenge of saying you know is our is our model the right one is is the market the right place um, do we have the right pieces and um, to the puzzle, and and can we really um, build something that uh, um, that creates kind of the impact that that we we think is possible um, and we, we believe is possible? Um, so that's that's the challenge we're facing now. Wow! And, and how do you keep going when times are tough? <laughs> well, what inspires you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, um, so. So, every, like you know, uh, I, I have to start from personal perspective. Is like I've, I've got a, a wonderful wife that I I, uh, I met in the UK and has kind of followed me along this journey and and uh, you know paid in the early days paid the rent and kept the lights on um, and uh, and I've got a, a 15 month old daughter. So so that's kind of my um, sanctuary when I when I get home from work and and it's really really important to have that because you know when you're working. 18-hour days in the early days, and and you, you're faced with these challenges all the time. To have kind of some personal, um, um, you know, support is, is really important. Um, second of all, I think my my business partners and, and Brad and Brett and as as kind of the founding entrepreneurs, like uh, you you get energy from each other is is really really important. So like I could never imagine being a, um, a, a founding entrepreneur without without a team and without partners. And some people do it, but um, I think it's been really important that, uh, that like, I've found people that have similar values and, and goals, but very complementary skill sets. Um, it's been a big success. And then, um, and that, like, now we're, we're at the size where, where we have 60 employees and, and we're, you know, we're hiring, we're going to scale up to about 100 by the end of this year. 
so we're hiring quite aggressively and and each new person you bring on board it's it's you know that's it's like it's adding a piece to your family and 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 it's, it's a livelihood for that that person and you get to to, to like I, the fun part of my job is I, I get to spend a lot of time now trying to identify what the talents of of, of our new employees are and then trying to find ways to unlock them um, and then you you actually start seeing this thing that you've been you know you've been building and, and was really close to your chest in the early days but now it's 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 letting it go and letting other people um, you know add add to the story and, and seeing where they can where they can take it and, and you know our business is now bigger than, than any one individual or, or just the founding entrepreneurial team um, and so I, I get a huge amount of, of motivation from that and then probably lastly is just knowing you know knowing it's possible and it's done like you, you have these great stories of, of entrepreneurial giants out of Silicon Valley in the US and you know in the UK and and you know why like there are these stories in Africa and, and why can't it be us and that's kind of a challenge that I have always thrown back to the team you know of saying um, you know, nobody in the in the grand scheme of things, Zambia is a small country. But hey, like every business has to start somewhere, and and uh, and if we can build a business model in Zambia, well, you know, surely in Malawi and Tanzania and Mozambique and the DRC and you know, you can just name all of these. Like Zambia has eight neighboring countries, and and we know that the challenges faced in those countries are contextually, culturally different. But but at the at the end of the day, for small businesses, for people moving money around, it's fundamentally the same the same problems that we're trying to solve. Um, so if we can build solutions that that can work in a place like Zambia, there's a lot of countries like Zambia that it can work in, and. You know, we'll never take our model to Europe, but uh, um, you know, the emerging markets is, is a huge, huge opportunity for, for a company like ours, and, and it's it's a very exciting thing thing to be a part of. Ah, sounds sounds very exciting, and and underlying this, I guess, is this these these uh, I think you call them big, hairy, audacious goals. I, can, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know the importance of goals and the importance of big goals? It's a, that's a great question because I think you will find um, very different perspectives to that question and um, to, to the point where I have been told um, point blank that Mike, stop saying that you'll be a billion dollar business. Um, it's it's a that's a like a silly thing to say. It's the wrong goal to focus on. And uh, um, you know, and I've heard other people say, if you don't say it, you'll never achieve it. Right, so you you have to um, like I'm a big believer in these in these big hairy audacious goals, um, but at, like I I also really really believe that um, we can achieve that. So I, I think the the trick is is setting setting a big goal, but that that goal has to be achievable, and it, it's you know it, that what that means is going to be different for for the, the market that you're in, the business that you're building. Um, and, and you know, what, what this essentially a goal does is it, it aligns, um, aligns everybody around the same thing. But it, it, more importantly, I think it, it attracts and filters out the, uh, you know, attracts the right people and filters out the wrong people. Um, so uh, by, by, you know, putting this goal out of saying, okay, Zona, we want to be a billion-dollar Pan-African business, um, we, we've built a, a team, a management team that believes that we can achieve that and that has that, that scale in mind from the, the get-go. And then the, the people that are, are – 
you know, we're thinking, hey, well, you know, we're just comfortable having uh, being part of a small business. They've they've exited from the organization, and and it just wasn't the right fit for them. Um, and so now we've been able to kind of um, get a, get a group of people together that, um, you know, initially it was it was me kind of just banging on this drum, uh, but then you know, getting our management team to to believe in it, and now everybody that joins the organization, people are are are, are saying that they want to work with us because they see the vision that this company has. Um, and so that, that's been a really, really important part of our, of our growth story. And, um, you know, like, again, just to reiterate, I think you, you, you have to believe it and it has to be achievable um, or else you're setting yourselves up to failure. Um, and that, that's, that's the hard part that I think like as, as a, it's a leap of faith that you have to make as an entrepreneur. But um, for us, it was, it was the right goal and it still is the right goal. And, and um, you know, and like, I, I, I really believe we can get there. So that's, that's why we've said it. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, uh, yeah, that's a great goal, and it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly a, an ambitious one. Um, in, in going back, maybe just for a moment to, to an earlier stage of growth and development, and talking to you know social entrepreneurs. I mean, entrepreneurs in general, but I think particularly social entrepreneurs who, who struggle, I suppose, with having role models, maybe, or maybe having support from like-minded people who, who uh, like-minded entrepreneurs, maybe who who uh, have had experience or understand the challenge of building a business maybe in a, in a difficult environment but also uh, realizing you know big social goals um, and it's a very particular uh, challenge I think. Uh, what kind of support um, ha have you had? Yeah uh, and that's it, it's uh, like it, it's critical. Um, I, I have personally um, benefited tremendously from uh, from the networks that I, I built when I, I kind of was studying at, at LSE in Oxford, and and um, you know both from just people from my class, but but also um, like other other entrepreneurs that kind of came out of those networks that I can rely on. Um, but probably more importantly from uh, some personal mentors I, I've been able to find. Um, and uh, like what, what's, what's um, I heard a quote once uh, uh, just from, from I think an article I read that it's like the, one of the most important challenges an entrepreneur faces is, is who to, um, who to, to get um, or who to listen to for advice. Um, because what you'll find is everybody has an opinion, and it's it's really really easy to be a, a consultant or an armchair critic um, and and say hey the businesses should do this or these are the decisions you should make. But it's really really um, precious to find like those one or two people that have done it before, or or you know whether they're they're in a corporate environment or they've been an entrepreneur before and, and can actually give you um, ad, advice and and help you navigate the. Uh, um, the minefield along the way in the journey, um, and so we had uh, in the in the early days found a, an advisor um, that you know was was a, a past entrepreneur and CEO, and, and he helped really put together, uh, really build the relationships between myself and, and the two founders, um, and then structure an agreement between the three of us because you're, you're dealing with a lot of like really difficult conversations at the time around splitting equity and and um, you know investing personal cash and and those are really really hard things because um, the, the two guys that started the company they were brothers as well that that I had to uh, um, to to really figure out how to how to work with 
Um, and so he helped structure that agreement and then um, really helped um, think about like how to raise investment because I'd never done it before. And the first time, I remember the first time we got a, a term sheet from an investment fund, like I, I thought it was great. And then he pointed out all like the, all the, re, all the ways that we were giving up control of our business and, and the, the huge kind of pitfalls that if we had taken that deal um, would have, would have resulted. So having somebody that had done that before was, was really instrumental. And then, um, and then I had a, a couple of other personal advisors um, that, that have been just very good mentors to me that um, I can call and ask for advice and, and on business advice, on personal advice. And, and it's, it's really hard to get. Um, uh, but you, I think in order to get that, you, you kind of you need to make your own luck because busy, like the busy people and the people you want advice from, um, they're like they, a lot of people want to, you know, contribute and, and mentor people. But you, you know, they're not just they're they're busy. They're not just going to solicit um, or, or, or respond to unsolicited emails. So you, you need to have a kind of a personal relationship um, with with people and, and you know through networking, um, and then just just be very persistent. Like um, one one of my personal net, uh, mentors, who's kind of in a senior position at at Google, was was somebody that I was um, you know in the early days just consistent <laughs> persistently um, hassling around how exciting our business was and. And it was like after the sixth or seventh time, of, um, and he probably was seeing our, our numbers go up every time I was sending him these offers. Finally, you know, he, he said, "Hey, I, I would be interested in having a phone call with you." And then, um, and was able to even invest a small amount of money into our business in the early days. So, um, you know, so it, it's it's hard, but you have to find those people. I've, I've found them very helpful. That's very interesting. That's something certainly that many social entrepreneurs have emphasised: the importance of a strong support team and indeed the value of persistence. If you're thinking about other uh, entrepreneurs you know, wanting to build you know, effective businesses in, 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 in challenging environments, like I suppose in, in parts of Africa and so forth, that don't have the infrastructure, um, what, what would you say? Yeah, I think, well, two, two, two pieces of advice um, at the simplest level I can give is probably, A, just start. But B, you have to be committed. Um, and one of the, like, one of my personal foundations is when I when I got on the plane from Oxford to Zambia, um, and uh, and this is where like having kind of my personal support network with uh, the time I, I wasn't married, but with my fiance, and you know she had actually grown up in West Africa, and and we had made a very concerted effort to to move. And, and we didn't have a time limit, and we said, you know, we're going here uh, to, to do this, and, and I didn't know what I was going to find at the time, but, you know, we were prepared to see it through. And, I, like, through our business and even through early business partners I had, like, I've, I've seen it time and time again. Of, it's a really exciting idea to, to come to Africa and to be an entrepreneur and to start a business, but at the end of the day, it's like, if, if, you know, you can, it's easy to be there for two years. It's hard to be there for ten. And I, I think if you're... If you're starting a business and you're serious, you need to um, be prepared up front to, to put in, to make the commitment um, for 10 years, because that's, you know, it, it might, you might fail after two years and decide, hey, I, I, I'm going to do something else. But um, if you do start picking up the pace, uh, you need to be prepared to, to kind of take the responsibility that comes with it. Um, but then it's, you know, it's, it's never too too late or too early to start something. I think you, you know, it's really scary to make that uh, that big leap, that first leap of faith. Um, but if if you do, generally good things happen. So it's 
Um, and then beyond that, it's kind of the rest is details, but those are kind of the two most important things, I think. Well, excellent. That's been a very inspiring conversation and uh, lots of good hard-won <laughs> uh, wisdom and advice from building your business. And wish you the, the very best of success with your continued growth. Thank you for, for that. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur Podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.